Last week, I began my sermon with a little bit of a sermon that Martin Luther, a reformer of the church some 500 years ago, preached in his church in Germany. Today, I will start with a sermon that Martin Luther King Jr. preached, an American reformer of the church who preached in his church about 50 years ago, actually almost 52 years ago, Martin Luther King Jr. preached a sermon called The Drum Major Instinct. Maybe you can figure out as I begin to talk what the drum major instinct is. He described the drum major instinct as that thing which is inside all of us that wants to be first, that wants to be in front. You know, like a drum major in a parade, right? Out front. It's not even so much that it wants to be the greatest, it's that it wants to be recognized as the greatest, right? The drum major instinct in us makes us want to be seen, want to be acknowledged as the best or the greatest or the one out front the first. It's in all of us, and it starts really young. In fact, Dr. King said a baby is just, you know, like one big bundle of the drum major instinct. That's all that a baby knows, right, is me, 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 serve me, help me, do everything for me. I'm the center of the universe. That's what a baby is and does. Unfortunately for a lot of us, that drum major instinct that we practice so well as a baby lingers on in our life, and there are many times where we find ourselves thinking those same thoughts. Me. <laughs> this should be about me. The drum major instinct is probably always there in all of us somewhere. We, we might do more or less uh, good jobs of tamping it down, but it's always there, right? And it can cause great damage in our lives. You can think of that impulse to be first, to be the best, to be right, to be acknowledged, could cause squabbles and problems within families, right? I think we've probably all seen that happen in our families to some extent. It happens in marriages. When you start keeping score, right? You think, well, the other, I do all the work and the other person does all this and you, and it can cause resentment, that drum major instinct. No, it's me, that, me that's more important, right? The drum major instinct causes problems in our community as we worry that maybe other people are taking something that belongs to us, and so we design things that push some people out and keep us in the center. The drum major instinct can cause pain within communities and at a national and even at a global scale. And Dr. King was really good at calling our attention to ways that this kind of feeling within us, this impulse causes global damage, violence around the globe. It causes all kinds of suffering, causes us to build weapons, 
of mass destruction. It causes us to send our soldiers into harm's way, not for righteousness or for justice, but because of greed and fear when the drum major instinct is taking over. It can cause problems at a global scale. And it's not something that is just a new or a modern problem, in fact. The reason that Dr. King preached this sermon is he was preaching on a text, also from the Gospel of John, where two disciples come to Jesus. Maybe you remember this one, and they say, Jesus, we want to be the greatest. So install us on your left and right hand, and we'll kind of be the drum major disciples. Well, they didn't say that part, but they wanted to be in front. They wanted to be at the top. They wanted to go first. Another time, the disciples were arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest. And if you read through the scriptures, you'll see time and time again that that drum major instinct, the desire to do it ourselves, to be justified ourselves, is really the cause of all kinds of human suffering and sinfulness. But it was what Jesus said to the disciples, which is so amazing. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, if you want to be first, then you have to serve and put others first. This is radical if you think about it. Jesus is saying, if you want to be first, then you have to put yourself last. and put your neighbors ahead of you in order to be first. This is really the essence of Jesus' ethical message to the world, to love God, to love neighbor, to serve others. It's the opposite way that the drum major instinct in us wants to work, right? We want to put ourselves first. We want to be the best, and we want to do it and earn it. And Jesus says it's the opposite. If you want to be the greatest, you must put others first. You must be whatever is the opposite of a drum major, which I guess is a servant. This is a radical message, and for those of us who have been in the church a long time, I think we get a lot of practice and we get really good at tuning this part of Jesus' message out. And we kind of get numb to it, because what it is saying would constantly challenge us, any of us, no matter who you are. This message to put others first challenges us. It challenges me. I know that. And so it's very tempting to just kind of set up shop as a Christian and walk around this part of Jesus's message that forces us to put others first because we all have that drum major instinct in us. And we forget how radical a message and how life-changing and how world-changing this part of Jesus' message is. To serve our neighbors, to love our neighbors as ourselves. We forget how incredible this, this is. One of the best ways to recapture that for us, especially those of us who maybe have been in church a long time. I grew up in the church. It's easy for me to forget about this. One of the best ways to remember it is to go back to the beginnings and look and hear stories of people when they first discover 
this faith when they first encounter Jesus. Now, this happens today in people's lives when they first hear the good news and what happens. But our passage that we heard in the Gospel of John today really does exactly that. It goes back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Before Jesus has officially done any public act of ministry in John, in the Gospel of John, in fact, before Jesus has even spoken yet in the Gospel of John, this passage takes us back to John the Baptist and to him spotting Jesus walking by before Jesus has really done anything that he's aware of and says, that one, that Jesus, that person right there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And after saying it a couple times, two disciples of John's get curious. Now, John the Baptist was all about, we've talked about John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist was all about the coming reign of the kingdom and the Messiah coming. So the disciples of John are eagerly waiting for the Messiah, the anointed one who's going to come and change the world, right? Who's going to come and unify all the tribes of Israel to get together all God's people and make salvation, make wholeness and health for everyone to restore the nation. They're eagerly awaiting the Messiah. And John the Baptist says, he's that one right there. Imagine these two disciples in this moment. If we just can transport ourselves back to this moment, two disciples who are waiting for the Messiah to come, and John the Baptist says, it's him. Someone who has no credentials, someone who at that point had no following. As far as we know, no one was even walking with Jesus. Someone who had no fancy clothes, someone who had, as far as they could tell, no connections to anyone famous or powerful, someone who did not appear to have any weapons, someone who had no armies at his command. And John says, it's that one right there. Imagine what those two disciples must have been thinking. And when they go to Jesus to ask of him, Jesus says, what are you looking for? And the two disciples ask what I think is a polite but very pointed question. They say, uh, Rabbi, where are you staying? Which is, I think, a polite way of saying, like, what's your situation? What do you have? Because we don't see a lot. Who are your people? What resources might you have? If you are the Messiah that we're supposed to follow, where do you come from? What's your source of power? And Jesus replies, come and see. He doesn't give them an answer. He doesn't explain to them what they need to know. He says to these two disciples, come and see. And imagine their faith in taking a step forward with this stranger that they were told is the Messiah who simply said, come and see. And they did. They took steps forward and they followed Jesus to see where Jesus was saying, to see who this Jesus 
person was to find out if he was the Messiah. They took a step forward in faith. Kind of incredible to think at that point they had no creeds like we have. They had no favorite Christian hymns like we have. They had no text specifically about Jesus like we have. Or books written on theology, thousands and thousands of books written. They had their own Hebrew scriptures which talked about the Messiah. They had John saying, that one is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus says, come and see. Isn't it incredible to think about the faith of the first disciples following Jesus without a lot of the things that we have? Although, to be honest, even those of us who have been in the church for a long time, like I am, and can look back and hold on to things, hymns and scripture, favorite scripture readings that we have, and that, that family Bible that we may or may not have, or these other things, even for all of us, every day, every moment, we are called to take a step forward. And despite having that stuff behind us, none of us know what's in the future. None of us know exactly where Jesus is calling us next. In many ways, we are like the first disciples because every step forward that we take with Jesus is a step forward in faith. It's Jesus calling us, saying, come and see. We know that God has done incredible things in the past. We know that in our own lives, we've seen things. But still, that next step forward for all of us, whether you have been in church for thousands of Sundays, or whether this is your first Sunday, every step forward is a step into faith. We don't have proof. We don't have an exact explanation from Jesus saying, all right, here's what's going to happen when your left foot hits the ground. Here's what's going to happen when your right foot hits the ground. We don't have it. We have faith, and we have what Jesus gives us, a promise what we know from God is that this person that we are following in faith, Jesus, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one who heals the brokenness that comes from the drum major instinct in all of us, the pain that we feel, the pain that we have seen, and have sometimes caused in our own families, in our own neighborhoods, by trying to be first, by trying to be better than others, by trying to be ahead. Jesus is the one who can heal. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one who can repair and build the kingdom of God that we are looking for, that we are longing to see in our midst, righting the wrongs around us, healing the hurts, Jesus is the one who takes away the sin of the world, the one who can heal it. And so we are called forward in faith to take that step, even when we don't have all the answers. 
I can't tell you exactly how the wounds in your household and your family among your close friends are going to be healed. But Jesus says, come and see. I can't tell you exactly how we are going to fix the fact that people will be sleeping in our neighborhood outside tonight because they can't find a safe place to stay. I can't tell you exactly how we're going to fix that. But Jesus calls us to follow him and he says, come and see. I can't tell you how we are going to survive in a globe with nuclear weapons and armies that are gearing up for war. But Jesus calls us to follow his path of peace and he says, come and see. Everything we do is a step forward in faith. We know God has saved us before. We have faith. God will save us again because the one who has come, the one that John the Baptist pointed out, the one that the disciples followed, the one that Martin Luther spent his life talking about, the one that Martin Luther King gave his life talking about, that one who takes away the sin of the world goes before us and calls each of us forward to take a step in faith saying to us, come and see. Come and see how you will serve your neighbors. Come and see how you will be great, not by being the most powerful, not by being the drum major, but by being God's beloved child, by being God's beloved. Amen.